money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. Uh, one of the things uh, that I wanted to talk about tonight is uh, this concept of realtors versus investors. It's kind of like, um, oh gosh, somebody, somebody help me with this. Godzilla versus King Kong. Is that, is, that what, is that what it was like? Is that what it was? Yeah. That's what it feels like. How many investors in the room feel like realtors versus uh, investors is like Godzilla versus King Kong? Yeah, okay. Some of you guys, uh, some of you guys have some, uh, some experience there, right? So I wanna just describe what that looks like uh, from my perspective. And before I do that, I will have to disclose to you guys that I am a licensed realtor and broker in the great state of Texas, license number 0518223. I am not your realtor uh, and don't sue me. Uh, so uh, now that we've got that cleared up, I think we're good to, we're good to carry on. Uh, but there's, uh, there's always what I'll call a constant battle going on between realtors and investors. And what I've found is um, uh, there, there is hatred on both sides in some cases. Now, this may be a little hyperbole, all right, so I'll, I'll take that. Uh, it's, um, uh, but, but I found this to be the case always. Now, uh, one of the reasons why I found that realtors, and hate is a strong word, but I'll say uh, dislike uh, investors is because the investors, what, what, kind of, what kind of offers as investors do we give realtors and instruct them to go and, and give off to the sellers? Some, some people say low ball offers, right? And then what do realtors say when you hand, what does your realtor say when you hand them that low ball offer? Do they say, oh yes, let me go and submit this right away. I can't wait to do it. I'm gonna really sell this one really hard. Or do they say, oh my God, this is gonna be so embarrassing. I can't even show my, I, I won't even, I mean, this person won't even take me seriously. How am I gonna be seen, right? So they're not necessarily uh, putting you, uh, their fiduciary duty in terms of representing you as their buyer client first. A lot of times they are putting how they, how they feel and they wanna protect uh, their reputation uh, along the way and I will say and I'm just curious just by raise of hands how many realtors in the room how, who are my other co-realtors yeah 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 okay um, so so how many of you guys have dealt with an investor who's like basically sending you 10 houses a day to do CMAs on and just giving you another full-time job right and and it's like well that would be fine if they made an offer that could stick on one of these properties, right? But a lot of times they're making offers and you know, it's like, okay, okay, so, so, so let, let, let me give you the scoop on this. So, so the seller just listed their house yesterday uh, for 400,000. Uh, the seller had uh, 25 showings uh, just this morning and they have uh, 23 offers in hand uh, it's, it, we're in a multiple offer situation. They listed it for 450 and you want me to give them an offer for 300? I'm sorry, like what, right? So, so this, these are some things that happen, right? Uh, so realtors get tired of doing those constant CMAs, uh, making those, uh, in some cases, low ball offers and uh, kind of doing a job uh, that feels like a dead end job, uh, looking for a, what's a needle in the haystack, which is typically that property that's the good deal on the MLS. So, and I'll just kind of uh, give you a news break. Uh, last month, properties on the MLS sold for about 101 
one to 102 percent of list price. So what that means is if it was listed for 100, it sold for 101 or 102 thousand dollars. Okay. So the needle in the haystack typically does not exist, at least in the market that we're in right now, uh, on the MLS. Right. So, but a lot of a lot of brand new investors, and these are the ones who kind of try to who very quickly burn out that relationship with uh, realtors, are looking for those and trying to make offers that may not uh, stick. And what's the other bonus? Uh, I don't know about you guys, but also as a realtor, I have had another investor try to go around me to go and work with a seller directly. Okay, that's another little issue uh, that we see happening that kind of gives a realtor a bad taste in their mouth. Now, on the other side of that, and so I'm even though I am licensed, um, I haven't listed a house in, gosh, probably six or seven years. So I just have my license for my own real estate investing and not to do work with any uh, other buyers or sellers other than to purchase property for myself. Now, so on the other side of this, uh, many investors uh, hate realtors or strongly dislike realtors because they don't, they won't do the things that they're asked. They won't do their job and, and have be in that role of fiduciary duty to them. So meaning they're not making those low ball offers. They're not making those creative offers and or they're not answering all of the endless questions. So some of you realtors who have worked with new investors have answered some of those endless questions by some of those new agents. Um, and, then, and then how many uh, for you guys who are just investors have worked with a realtor who said, you can't do that or that's illegal or you know, insert objection here that stops that relationship. So this is kind of the, or this is the origin story of the you know, realtor investor battle. So, so, so what is our job? How do, we, how do we overcome this? What do we do here? So I'll tell you um, that, that, that the solution um, and this is and this is uh, this is not the best solution, but this is a solution I see a lot of people implement. Is that a lot of new investors will decide and maybe say to themselves, "Oh, well, if that's going to be a problem, then maybe I should go do what? Maybe I should go and get my license, right? Maybe I should go and get my license." And a lot of people will think that if you go and get your realtor's license, it's going to help you what? Understand real estate. Okay. So again, uh, so I'm going to do another little poll in here. So I asked a second ago how many were realtors. Um, if I, if I, um, I'm going to ask you guys for the ones who are realtors, and this is going to be a long hand raise. So just, just, just roll with me here. I know it's going to be hard. So if you have to do this, that's okay. Uh, uh, but, but again, raise your hand if you're a realtor. Raise your hand if you're a realtor. Okay, hold your hand up. If you learned anything, keep your hand up if you learned anything about real estate investing in realtor school. If you did not learn anything about real estate investing in realtor school, put your hand down. All right, so how many of you guys were thinking, I might go and become a realtor so I can learn things about real estate investing? Okay, yeah, I don't know if some of you guys surveyed the room and looked around when I did that exercise, and I've done this exercise a few times, so you know they say when you're speaking from the front of the room, don't ask a question you don't already know the answer to. Usually somebody surprises me, you know, it's like, oh, I will, you know, it's like, okay, whatever, you're the one guy who learned something about real estate investing in realtor school. Uh, but um, what most people find is, you know, it's, it's a lot like, you know, going to school school, which is you learn how to pass a test, uh, which is really not going to get you ultimately to where you want uh, to, to, to be. And, and the actual result, uh, again, is, uh, comes after spending 180 hours of your life uh, to go to realtor school and to get that license. 
Now, going back in the time machine, when I got licensed, um, you could sign up for all of your courses and finish them at the same, all at the same time. Uh, the new way that you're licensed, I was just kind of reading up on this uh, as I was preparing this presentation today, is uh, they only let you take, uh, I think, one class at a time, and, and you have to take at least three days to finish each one of those single classes. Uh, so, so even if you did um, kind of back to back to back those 180 hours, I think it was something like it would take you at least 18 days, something like that, to do it. Uh, and then they have their ways to make, you, to make it even go longer than that. Uh, is what I found as well uh, and then at the end of that you come out thinking oh wow I just learned how to pass a test and 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 so when I was in realtor school uh, I had to learn uh, how many cubic yards of cement it took to pour a two-car driveway seriously yeah it was on the test you know how many times I have used that math and that calculation in my realtor job That'd be the square root of zero, my friends. Like that's that's what that's what you're gonna see in, in realtor school. And then I don't know how many of you guys are English is not your first language. English is not your first language. This and 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 then and then so some of you guys that are also uh, realtors and brokers in the room. This is like if English is not your first language, and I don't want to intimidate you guys, you know, from doing this if you want to, but it is like a series of like double negatives like triple negatives it's like i felt like are they testing me if i can under if i can read and write english right now like i mean it was like that felt like the other part of the test if you're a realtor right now raise your hand if you felt the same way when you were doing it yeah so it was it was it was very odd from that standpoint uh so so just be aware and again i'm not trying to you know uh to tell you you know you can calculate out the, the double negatives, but it was just a, a strange thing uh, to be able to find. Uh, and, then, and then as a bonus, uh, after you get licensed, you get to do what? Go right back and take more education. So uh, roughly in that first uh, year, first two years, uh, up to 98 additional hours of education that's required in order to keep your license. Um, and then as a bonus, you get through all that education and then, and then when you're in realtor school, and again, I will I'll ask you guys to raise your hands again, just so the people who are considering realtor school can uh, can 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 hear and see this too. So raise your hand if you're your realtor. Um, now uh, tell me, did uh, pull your hand down if if you felt like, wow, they scared me away from doing anything in real estate, especially investing after they told me every single story in that in, in realtor school. Does anybody feel like that? Take your hand down if you felt like that. You you did not. Okay, uh, so so literally like I I like the person who's teaching one of my classes was like, well I heard of a realtor one time and she walked out of her house and she got sued. Like, what are you even saying? Like it's like they're just trying to scare you to do you know about all these different things that kind of go wrong. So. Um, and, and then one of the big things that you find out as you get through realtor school is you have a lot of disclosure requirements as a realtor versus as a non-licensed investor. Uh, so that means information about broker services, that means consumer protection notice, that means disclosing that you're a realtor on the first substantive conversation, that means writing that you are a realtor on page five of the contract, that means working with your broker, you gotta hope that you got a good broker who will allow you to do any real estate investing on top of that. That. Uh, 
um, and just being worried that you're going to lose your license or going to get sued the entire time you're doing it. So that's what I felt when I was in realtor school. And I've talked to a lot of realtors who have kind of said, yeah, I kind of got that same, you know, vibe and energy and, and, and training as well. So um, just, just know that that's the case. Know that that's the case. But, but for those of you guys who are saying, but I still want to, I think I still want to do it. Or I'm going to get on. And, and for those of you guys who are like, okay, yeah, no, I'm totally out, but I still know that I need a realtor. I'm going to solve this problem for you guys uh, tonight as part of this presentation. So uh, I want to share a couple other things with you. Ah, realtors, uh, where do they get paid? They get paid on page two of the HUD-1 settlement statement, also known as the closing disclosure statement, okay? Where do investors get paid? That would be on page one of the HUD closing disclosure statement. Where is all the money made? That would be on page one. Where are all the scraps picked up? That would be on page two, okay? So sometimes I see a lot of people who are like, oh, I wanna be an investor, so I'm gonna to go to realtor school, and they realize that they're picking up the scraps, right? So, so on, a, on a typical transaction where you're selling you know, a, a $600,000 house, for example, in the Dallas area, you know, as a real estate investor, if you bought it right using the real estate investor formula, 70% of ARV minus repairs, you're probably gonna make somewhere between 60 and $90,000 on that deal, okay? Versus the realtor is gonna make $18,000 on that deal, 3% of that 600,000. Which sounds better to you? I can pull out the scale. I've got, I bring one with me, keep it handy. Right. So, so, I mean, I, you know, I know some people will say, well, I, I want to, you know, I, I want to save money. Okay, great. Right. And you're going to save money being a realtor. Let me know how it feels after you put in uh, 280 hours uh, of realtor school in your first year of, of, of joining. Right. It's going to feel like you're instead wasting more time. Um, and some of you guys may say, well, I still want to be a realtor because I want access to this like, oh, MLS, all of these properties. Who's thinking that, right? Yeah, a lot of realtors, a lot of people wanna to go to realtors, but I want access to those properties, right? Or I want access to the comps. Um, I wanna share with you, uh, so I love the study of cognitive biases. Who else are my nerds in here to love, who love to study about cognitive biases? Thanks for making me feel totally alone, except for you, ma'am. I appreciate that. She's like, I'm just gonna raise my hand like this. She's like, I'm not even gonna, if she doesn't notice me, that's okay. She can just like tell this cognitive bias. I'm all ears, but I'm not. So, so one of my favorite, there's like 278 cognitive biases. And probably one of my favorite ones is one of my least favorite ones because there, there, there's nothing to be favorited in there because there are all these different like heuristics, all these different ways that we make our decision making simple so we don't use all this brain power in our head to, to do to make all these complex you know calculations and decisions, right? So we can just kind of be on autopilot. And so, so there are all kind of ways that we, in some cases, punch our own selves in the face by taking a shortcut. Is that a fair way to, to, to say it? Okay, um, that's, that's a technical PhD term, term, definition of it. I'll let some of you guys here know are more savvy uh, re-explain that. But uh, so, so none of them are favorites. This is probably one of my least favorite as it applies to real estate, as it applies to real estate investors. And it is something called the search light principle or the, or the drunkard's uh, effect. So the way this story goes, I don't know if you're familiar with this one, but uh, uh, a gentleman is a little inebriated, uh, is, is on his hands and knees uh, in a park, and he's searching for his keys. 
And a police officer walks up and says, it's the middle of the night, <laughs> what are you doing? And the drunk said, well, I'm searching for my keys. Officer, I'm not driving tonight. Um, I'm walking to my house, but I need to be able to find my keys just to unlock, my, unlock the door. And so the police officer says, okay, I'm, I'm here to protect and serve. Tonight I serve. The police officer got on his hands and knees and started searching around for the keys with this drunk. After about 20 minutes, the police officer said, we've, we've searched this place, up, down, sideways, high and dry. Are you sure you left your keys over here? And the drunk said what? There you go. No, I think I left my keys over there. But the light is so good right here. I decided to search here. The, the uh, searchlight effect, the drunkard's principle, applies to you guys as real estate investors. How is that? You're going to the light. Where, is, where do we, as a new investor, where do we think the light is? In the MLS, right? But where is your deal? It is in some dirty, dank, awful, disgusting alley. It's not where the light is. Yes? That's a good story, right? I had you guys like, oh yeah, I'm listening to this. What's the drunk gonna do next? <laughs> so so um, number one, I don't want you to pick up the scraps. Number two, I don't want you to get kind of pulled in by that heuristic, that cognitive bias that I'm gonna search where the light is because that's not really where your deals are, right? All right, so I'm, I've told you I'm gonna solve this. I'm on the way to solve it. Uh, the moral of the story uh, and what's important for you guys to know. Um, in order to be a successful real estate investor, you have to. There is no question, uh, there's no going around this. There's no passing go without an investor-friendly realtor on your power team. Uh, there's, no, uh, uh, going, uh, there's no being a successful real estate investor without having a great investor-friendly realtor on your power team. Period, end of story. Uh, but, but that investor-friendly realtor does not have to be you, okay? Are there a ton of realtors in this DFW market? I want to say, does anybody know how many there are exactly in DFW? I want to say it's around 40,000, okay? I think, that, I, think that's about, I think that's about right. Uh, it could be, could be more than that. I'm curious if some of you guys want to Google that up for me and let me know. Um, but uh, you don't have to be both the agent and the investor, right? Um, you don't have to do everything, right? You just have to be, you know, and, 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 I will say, and I will say this about all the things that you do. Everything we do, it needs to get done. It just doesn't need to be done by the rainmaker. And let me tell you guys something. As real estate investors, you are the rainmakers. You don't have to do everything else. You don't have to lay sheetrock. You don't have to lay tile. You don't have to re-roof a house, right? That has to be done. Somebody has to put a property in the MLS and do some research for you. That has to be done. It just doesn't have to be done by you. The rainmaking activities are the activities that when you are in front of a homeowner okay that's all you need to be doing that's all you need to be thinking and i will tell you there are plenty of unemployed if they're not employed technically um contractor they're contractors uh, or underemployed realtors out there there are plenty of unemployed or underemployed realtors out there okay um do you guys know how to find an unemployed or underemployed realtor out there would you like to know how yeah 
um, do you guys have the Uber app? Yeah. 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 Okay. This is where this is the part of where the crowd is like murmur, 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 murmur. I guarantee you, one out of every five Uber drivers is also a realtor. If you are a realtor and an Uber driver, will you raise your hand? It's okay. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. Or Lyft. I mean, you know, whatever. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like, I, literally, like, I have, I have gone out of a Real Estate Investor Association meeting one night. I'll never forget. And I called an Uber. Uh, I, I was going out with friends. I want to leave my car at the hotel. And I called an Uber. And um, you know, here comes this car, it rolls up, and it has this like, we buy houses sign on, on there. And I'm like, oh, well, that must be somebody from my, from my meeting who has the same car. And I'm, and I'm you know, sitting there, and you can see it's like, you know, the, the, the Uber's talking to you, and you're talking to the Uber. You know, he's like, I'm here. And I'm like, well, I'm here. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, the same guy, right? So uh, realtor, uh, Uber driver, um, Bitcoin trader. You know, whatever, you know, whatever it is. So, uh, so, 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 yes, I mean, like, uh, these things happen. So uh, uh, Craigslist, uh, you know, these, these, people, these people are out there. So if there are roughly 40,000 um, real, well, and I'll just round it to 50,000, just to, um, if there are roughly 50,000 uh, realtors that are licensed in, in the North Texas market, and if 100,000 transactions closed last year in North Texas, what does that tell you? Each realtor has uh, maybe two listings. You're picking up scraps. So don't, don't pick up the scraps. Uh, find somebody else to do that for you. Who's, who already needs to be picking up the scraps? Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at texasstarterkit.com.